0: I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Welcome to episode eight of Beauty Bosses. I'm so pleased to introduce all of you to the amazing Cece Barfield-Thompson
1: of Cece Barfield Incorporated. Um, Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. My favorite doctor, Dr. Laura Devgan to the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here. So many of you know Cece
0: and her work, but she is an incredibly celebrated interior designer. Um, Cece started her career at Vogue. She worked for the amazing and legendary icon, Bunny Williams. And then she broke off on her own and started her own interior design empire. And it's been awesome. And you've gotten yes. a lot of really amazing opportunities. So in her short and fast career <laughs> um, up to this point, CC has made a major name for herself. She's oh, been in the New York you. Times. She's been in Vogue. She's been featured on... Um, House Beautiful as the next wave. She's yes. been an El Decor as the designer to watch. So you've kind oh, of y- you. <laughs> you've kind of um, hit this major punch list it's of of uh, what to achieve if you're trying to be an interior designer. And today we're going to talk to Cece about her journey and how she became this amazing creature and successful <laughs> businesswoman that she is today. That's sort of a
1: thank you for having me and thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I'm sort of embarrassed. <laughs> it's all true. It it is um it's been amazing. I um, sort of can't believe the, the the way things have gone over the past 3 years. I mean, I when I left bunnies and started my own firm, I mean I definitely had high hopes and you know dreams for having my own business, but it's sort of been above and beyond anything I could have imagined, um, and I feel very lucky and grateful um, that it's gone so well, so hopefully Good. it will keep going. Knock on oh,
0: wood. I'm sure it
1: will. Okay,
0: so let's rewind and start telling our listeners and viewers a little bit about the story from the beginning. So you started out at Vogue. You were there, you made amazing connections, learned a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but then went back to get two master's degrees yes. from Pratt, yes, the top school in the country in interior design and historic preservation and then landed yourself an amazing coveted job with Bunny Williams. So, tell everyone, who
1: is this Bunny Williams? So uh, Bunny is, I mean, I would say the greatest living American designer. She um, has had her own firm for about 30 years and prior to that worked for Parrish Hadley, which is sort of a legendary um, sort of American firm and really definitive of American style. And many of the great designers you see working today actually came out of Parrish Hadley. So Bunny um, left there, started her own firm, and really has sort of carved out a niche for herself as the grand dame of decorating today. Um, She does projects all over not only the country, but the world. Um, Sort of, you know, she cultivates really comfortable, beautiful uh, interiors rooted in um, sort of historic homes. And I think that her ability to create these places that are comfortable um, but beautiful they're elegant but approachable is really what sets her apart and I was very lucky to work for her because no matter sort of what you study in school um, the ability to create comfort and to really understand what that means um, it's not really something you can learn um, in a classroom and that's yeah. something you really learn from people and listening to people and I think that that's something she's very good at and she taught me was really to try and listen to clients and um learn what they want and how they want to live and I think that truly is why Bunny is so successful and that's really what I took away from working um yeah for her and at her firm um it's also she's like amazingly collaborative and she has a firm of you know 12 designers who all really come together and come up with ideas. And that process, which really is a continuation of the great studio model that you have in design school, um, it's hugely beneficial, and not everyone works that way. So those, I mean, are sort of the things that I would say are Bunny's hallmark um, of good design and how she sort of has been able to craft her business, if that makes sense. I do if okay. that answers your yeah. question. Yeah. Part. <laughs> I think that's
0: really good. I just wanted people who... Hadn't heard of Bunny Williams. I don't even know if anyone hasn't heard of Bunny Williams. But for those of um, our listeners who were less familiar, I wanted them to hear from another expert in the field what a legend she is. So imagine a young woman out of grad school working for the most legendary American designer there was. Tell us how you went from being in this really coveted job with this amazing and inspiring um, boss to making this very bold decision to break away and start your own company as someone who was brand new and relatively Mm -hmm. unknown at that time.
1: So it was a really hard decision. I truly thought that I would be with Bunny for my entire career. I loved working there. I love my coworkers, um, and I still do. They're still my good friends. But I, um, about three years ago, had my first child, And that really changed things. And I wanted to be able to be the businesswoman and the mother that I dreamed of being. And the only sort of way I saw that being possible was being my own boss um, and growing my own firm. And I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom always worked for herself, my grandparents. So I think I had that in me. And really, having a child was the impetus and the push I needed to... um, To make it happen and to sort of set my own dreams in motion um, because it became a necessity yeah so today you're this very celebrated interior designer who gets all this press
0: coverage you design in private homes for businesses for events tabletops the works but it wasn't always that way so talk us through some of your early days when you've just just had your first child you just left bunny williams You've decided to be on your own, and the future yeah. is very uncertain. <laughs> what were your kind of biggest challenges and darkest days in this journey?
1: I mean, I think that one of the huge challenges was really a practical one of space. I mean, overhead was something that was really terrifying to take on. So in office space, employees, and um, sort of building my, the business up to a point where I felt comfortable doing that. So before I was able to do that, I was doing everything myself um, at out of my house.
0: Right, and by the <laughs> way, we're broadcasting from New York City, yes. so this story is taking place in a Manhattan home. Varies, not in a very in a location space. where real estate is
1: not inexpensive, I would say. No. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, it is not inexpensive. Um, space is definitely constrained, and you know I'm someone who is very aesthetic. So, and what I do is messy. There are lots of fabric samples color swatches, marble samples, plans. And so to have that all in my house was a lot. Um, and with a newborn who was crawling around, but I found myself in the early days, um, taking meetings during the day and really at night after my daughter went to bed, staying up late, sort of burning the midnight oil, laying everything out on the dining table. And, um, trying to pay attention to every single detail, because at the end of the day, my business is so detail-oriented. And managing that, a lot of it meant sort of keeping a small firm, which is hard as a business. I'm sure you know, like, you want to grow, but um, you have to know your limitations. And so in the beginning, some of it was turning down work, which was really hard, sort of wanting to be able to get an office, to hire employees. It was, in a way, sort of counter Intuitive to the process, but important because I had to make sure everything was executed perfectly. And you (laughs) hear about all these companies that grow
0: so fast and spend so much and invest so much and then go bankrupt and flame out in a second. And so... It's actually really interesting because you rarely hear entrepreneurs say, slow down, say no. Everyone's always,
1: yes, yes, yes. And I think that it's a huge mistake. I mean, it is so important to take care of your clients. Um, And when you're a small business and really a client service business, it's the most important thing. And that means staying small and sort of knowing um, what you're capable of and knowing your limitations. And even as you grow, that doesn't change. You know, just because you hire one or two people doesn't mean you can say yes to everything. It's sort of knowing, you know, your firm's limitations and your capabilities as much um, as anything and and knowing the people you're taking on. Yeah.
0: You know, I feel that way in my business too, where, um, you know, as a plastic surgeon, you want to make sure that you give the best level of care to every person. And so that means, sometimes that means telling people that we're booked out for a really long time because... Each patient needs their time slot and yes. they can't be
1: rushed, otherwise they won't have a good experience. Yeah, you need you need time to sort yeah. of in design, you know, come up with ideas and that's a really organic process and you can't really put a time limit on that. Mm-hmm. So something that's so important is giving yourself space to sort of come up with ideas, to flush them out, and to come up sort of with the best design for every client, for every room for every silver closet, I mean, that sort of, it takes time, it takes skill, it... So much creativity as well. Yes, and if you're busy, you can't do that. So it's really, I think, one of the big challenges, even today, is sort of knowing when to say yes and also when to say no um, so that everyone gets sort of the best product possible and I'm doing my best work possible. So if you're too busy, it's not enjoyable. You know, I mean, it's really about sort of being able to enjoy the process because at the end of the day, like design and interior decorating, it's fun. I mean, we are bringing beautiful spaces to people and setting the tone for the way people live, which is such a gift. And if you're too overwhelmed, you know, the joy can sort of get sucked out of it. To some yeah, degree. so I that's a big challenge understand. in what I do.
0: So let's take a minute and kind of dive a little bit deeper into your daily work because yes. I think this is so interesting to people. I love being in a beautiful environment, but sometimes it occurs to me that I'm not necessarily even. as aware as I should be of what I'm feeling. Like, what is making it beautiful? How are all of these little touches adding up to a beautiful experience? So you sound like you spend a lot of
1: time in beautiful (laughs) interiors because you should never (laughs) notice one thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think that um, a good interior is something where nothing jumps out at you. Okay. That everything um, in the room has a conversation, so pieces have an interesting relationship to one another that allow things um, to sort of sing, but there's a harmonious um, sort of melody that is created by rooms, and that creates, you know, it's a sensitivity to space, Um, but I think it creates a a feeling and an emotion that's good interiors are evocative of emotion. And oftentimes with projects, that's sort of where we'll start. So I'll ask a client, how do you want to feel in the space? Is it a formal space? Is it an informal space? Is this a place where you feel like a grown-up? Or is this a place where you just sort of feel like yourself? And I think that those, you know, sentiment is so important in conjuring space and mood and even color and pattern. It sort of all starts with like basic, raw human emotion. And that's so different for everyone and so different for every project, which is... A really fun part about what we do because every project's a little different.
0: Yeah, a little different. If so, what advice do you have for somebody who's trying to revamp their own living room, for example, and they don't have a budget for an interior designer, mm-hmm. but they have good taste and they want to make it work. Yes. Are there a few things that are relatively accessible for someone who's not formally trained in interior design?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that one of the most amazing things um, about the internet uh, is the accessibility people have. And I think that there's so many bloggers that do a wonderful job of bringing good design to a larger audience. Um, so I think in terms of aesthetic anyone can sort of find a blog or hopefully can find a blog that speaks to them like mm-hmm. a designer would speak to them and find sources that way I think Pinterest and Instagram are also amazing tools so visual, right? It's so and it, yeah. it really, you know there's apps now where you can take a picture of your living room and drop a chair in so if you aren't someone who can visualize things there's things to help you with that you don't even need a decorator Um, to render it for you. But I think more important than sort of finding the things is understanding how they work um, or how they fit. And so like knowing, having a comfortable sofa, um, a floor plan that works. Um, If you're someone who likes to entertain, maybe that means having a bar cart, you know, with a fully stocked bar by the the entry to your apartment so that when guests come, they can get a refreshment and you're not constantly having to refill their drink. Or, you know, if it's, you're someone who likes to watch TV, it's having a comfortable chair and a really great pillow for your lumbar and a really cozy blanket. that You can sort of cozy up and do that um, comfortably with, you know, friends and family. So I think it's really um, asking yourself how you want to live in a space, um, identifying the things you need, and then going to these amazing resources to find something that speaks to you yeah
0: Yeah, i love that what's the first thing you do when you walk into a new space that you have to design well
1: it depends i think if there's furniture in it um or not okay let's say it's empty so an empty space um i love to go into a space at different times of day um to see the quality of light because light is so important um for what I do in terms of color. And I think people tend to gravitate towards for the lightest spots in their house. Yeah. So trying to understand where those things will be and how we should set up furniture um, in relationship to that. And then also looking at the bones of a project. I mean, a lot of what um, I do sort of for high-end design is um, cosmetic renovation. So making sure baseboards are the right Height, that um, doors have great molding that windows are beautiful that grout's well done and it's so much um, easier to inspect those things in a space sort of devoid of furniture um, so that's sort of step one in a basic project um, or a r- basic sort of renovation project but if we're walking into a situation where there's already furniture I honestly like to see where people have piled up things so where are you sitting? like where's your book? Where's the paper in your bedroom? Like, where have you thrown clothes? Like, why that's is this so not interesting? Working? Yeah,
0: so you're you're kind of um, observing human habits, Absolutely. right?
1: Well, that's what we're designing for. I mean, these are real spaces. It's yeah. not meant for a picture. I mean, Instagram may have you think differently, <laughs> um, but you know, we I design homes that are meant for people to live in. Yeah. And So that so much of it is human behavior. I mean, all of it, really and patterns and sort of trying to accommodate for those things in the most beautiful way.
0: Okay, so let's talk about accommodation for a minute. We're in New York City. Yes. As we were speaking about before, space is very tight here and real estate is a premium. Yes. So tell us some things that you have done in some of your previous projects to account for the tiny New York spaces that you're designing in. And presumably, even some of the high-end spaces are a little bit on the small side.
1: It doesn't matter your budget. Everyone is sort of always wanting more space. Exactly. Um, What's the saying? You know, you can never be thin enough, rich enough, or have enough closet space. And that's (laughs) definitely true um, in New York City. The, um, you know, space is always a challenge because you want to avoid overbuilding. So I think some people have the tendency to um, think the best solution is to do as many built-ins as possible. And unfortunately, when people do that, it sort of has a ship-like effect and can be really cold because you end up with a lot of um, sort of shiny, hard surfaces, which Mm -hmm. is not very inviting. So I think some good tricks, um, you know, very basic tricks are putting skirts on furniture so that you can have bins under your sofa or under your bed. Oh, I like that. Very easy. Um, I think also really taking account of what you use. So when we move clients into their apartments, we sort of go through their glassware, their dishes, their silver and ask them to really pare down because part of living in New York, the compromise is having fewer things and maybe having better things. Um, and then if you're lucky enough to be able to build, um, to accommodate um, four collections or um, you know, even to build out your own closets, I think the most important thing is to make sure that they're beautifully detailed and placed well. So, That can mean creating a vestibule between your kitchen and your dining room that serves as sort of a serving area and a butler's pantry that can store all your china and linens. And in a bedroom, maybe that means creating a closet between the bedroom and the bathroom um, that serves as a small hall. So it sort of helps you. You can use Storage um, is a way to help define space that's mm-hmm. um, also practical, and I think that's a really good trick. But sort of at all different levels of design, I think there's ways to, to get more more space, more bang for your buck in those, those Yeah.
0: Terms. <laughs> How would you describe your design aesthetic? Because I've read about you described as elegant and ladylike, oh, and oh. some of your tablescapes that I've seen in magazines are really gorgeous, like very floral and ornate. Um, But I'm
1: kind of curious to see how you put that into words. It's so hard to describe your own style. Um, It's ever-evolving, and I would say that it's definitely rooted in sort of comfortable, traditional, historic interiors. Um, But I try and make it a little bit forward-looking so that it feels timeless. I mean, I think the most important thing is to create... Um, whether it's a tabletop or a living room, spaces that have interesting relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm always trying to sort of um, combine the new and the old. Um, but the most important thing is that I create comfortable interiors. and I think that's what I'm really known for is creating comfortable, livable interiors. Okay. I hope, at least.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think you've done a great job with that. Um, How did you take this passion for interior design and convert it into an actual functional business where you were able to legitimately call it a business and call yourself a businesswoman? Because, you know, there was a gap between theory and practice before you had your first client all of your own.
1: I mean, I was pretty lucky because... um, as I was sort of starting to think about the next steps, my friends were coming of age. And so organically I got projects and they weren't necessarily big projects in the beginning, um, maybe a nursery here or an entry, um, hall there. But it was, um, honestly in in the very beginning, just taking on projects that I felt like I could do a really good job no matter the size. And, um, really doing a good job because word of mouth is everything. And I think it's more how you finish a project than you start it in terms of growing.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. I've said the same things about my work where it's really an N equals one experience and the way to build a, a practice or a business or anything where you're dealing with client facing work is doing a really amazing job for each single person in front of you. And then it kind of, Slowly will snowball. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) And that's what we hope.
1: I mean it's a people business. I think like 80% of it is probably people and administrative and really making sure that everyone is happy and feels taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that's not just the client side, that's the vendor side. It is making sure that people in my office feel taken care of. Because those relationships are ultimately sort of what drive your business. Yeah. And allow you to sort of leave people with a you know good taste in their mouth and a positive experience. And sometimes it's hard to do after a long day of, you know, having a million balls in the air to sort of put on a smile and say, what else can I do to help? But well, and we were
0: talking about this before where sometimes you're in a situation where you make sacrifices of your own or you put yourself last. Like you were telling me about how there was a time when you were out really busy putting together
1: everybody's Christmas tree designs Yes. what happened? I mean, last or two Christmases ago, I mean, I sort of spent the days and weeks leading up to Christmas decorating clients' houses and getting the perfect wrapping paper for their presents and it meant not doing my own house, which was so sad. And I love Christmas, but those are the sort of sacrifices you make. It's a business, or taking care of your clients first a lot of the time. Yeah, um, because that's what they expect and deserve. I mean, if you you know your name's on the door, that's sort of what you do.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of your responsibility and you, you want to do it, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know,
1: my, the people who worked for me were off on their vacation. So I was (laughs) the last line of defense. (laughs) I was like, where are you? My parents are going to be here in 30 minutes. (laughs) It's like William Pohl is on its way. (laughs) It will be great. I promise. That's so funny. Okay.
0: Tell us a few of your favorite interior spaces that are well known to other people. So that we can get a sense of what you think great taste is.
1: Okay. Um, well, I'm trying to think of spaces that are open to the public. Yeah. So I think that the um, the Frick is a beautiful interior. So gorgeous. The um, the details, the upholstery details of the Frick and like the fringe on the curtains I think is so inspiring. Um I also think somebody who has a beautiful house and is widely published is Tori Birch and Danielle Romaldez does all of her interiors and I think they're absolutely beautiful. They're so elegant and
0: very comfortable. Classy and timeless. Yes, and but yeah. fun. So yeah. bold
1: use of color and unexpected combinations and she'll have some modern art thrown in so I think those are very pretty. Um... And then there's also some restaurants I really love. I love Jojo, mm-hmm. um, which is on six, sixty six. second. Sixty second. Yeah. In the 60s. exactly. Um, which Very is, cute. Not not as well known as you'd expect, but no. But it's the best food and such a beautiful sort of quintessential yeah. French environment. So that's one of my favorite interiors, um, and I also really love. Um, La Pecoria Blanca, which is, is it Pecoria Picor- Blanca? Another restaurant yeah. in the city that I think has beautiful interiors. So there are, you know, summer houses, summer museums, like there's inspiring interiors all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Not sort of limited to residential.
0: So I've always imagined that an interior designer must live in the most gorgeous home imaginable. And um, sometimes when I go home and my current decor is preschool chic, so we <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of toys yeah. and books. Um, it's but like an
1: abstract art. <laughs> but
0: I'm dying. To, yes, we are in a cubist phase at my home. Um, it's working though. Yeah. Um, you know, when like both eyes are on it's the side like, of the face. Like
1: Picasso no. or my four year old. <laughs> and and they're it so can't similar. Tell the yeah, I know, right? I'm just kidding. Um, tell us what your home is like. Um, well, I hate to disappoint you, but it's also a little preschool chic Oh, really? Days. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a vibe. It's not I perfect. feel like a lot
0: of people are going for
1: that. I mean, I think, you know, my house is certainly not perfect. I mean, I try not to let the um, wheels come off the bus too much. The kids' toys really do stay in their room. I mean, that's one thing that I try and make sort of a hard and fast rule. Fascinating. You know, it's important to have spaces yeah. that are your own. And, you know, we don't have a huge apartment. So for my husband and I, that's really our living room. And that means keeping the kids' toys in their room. So when we come home from work at night, we're not overwhelmed by a mess that we feel like we have adult space. Um, but there's certainly rings on the furniture from, you know, somebody putting a drink down. And I try not to worry too much about that and our... Old New York Times are stacked up next to our chair, just like everyone else. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I would say my house, it's comfortable and it's pretty when it's clean, but it's not perfect.
0: Okay, I feel like that makes so many of us feel so much better about ourselves.
1: I mean, you have to live in your space. Like, this is not, you know, these are not houses just for pictures, I mean, it has to function, and I think those are the most beautiful spaces. Ones full of life, and people shouldn't feel overwhelmed by that. Oh,
0: good! Yeah, it's I, I, it's you're making okay. me so happy right now. Um, okay, now I have some more fun questions for you. Them on me. Wallpaper or paint? Wallpaper. And tell me more about. See, I am a little bit new to wall coverings. Okay. Um, tell me more about your favorite kind of wall covering. I
1: love scenic wall coverings. I just think they're so beautiful and really can bring the outdoors in. Um, Mm -hmm. I love the details and all the different colors. And I feel like wallpaper has the ability to really make a small space a jewel box. Um, So I really, I love wallpaper.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Um, Neutrals or bold colors? Bold colors. Oh. Okay. Modern or classic? Transitional? <laughs> oh, somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Yeah, you can <laughs> yes. definitely answer this. be non on that In one. a free form <laughs> manner. I think that's totally fine. Um, do you use your kitchen or do you like to eat out? Kitchen.
1: Oh, I like that yeah, too. I love to
0: cook. Kind of a nice homey aesthetic, right?
1: Yes, you know, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it's about spending time in your house with people you love. And when I have time, that means cooking with my kids, with my husband. I enjoy it and it's sort of like mindless, like chopping. It just takes sort of, I'm not thinking about anything else in the task in front of me and it's like very cathartic. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, a way, way to sort of, a little bit yeah. of that unwinding, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's a way to sort of de stress at the end of a long day and just switch gears. So
0: I know professionally you're really known for your ability to entertain and your tablescapes are legendary Thank and you. you've hosted all these amazing events, I really um, enjoy but it. tell me a little bit about your favorite event, either personal or professional, that
1: you've hosted. <laughs> um, gosh, that's so hard professional events are always so fun because you really take it to the next level in terms of you know bouillon fringe on a tablecloth and the perfect color you know antique crystal with the perfect royal copenhagen plate and over-the-top flowers and unfortunately you know entertaining on the weekends i don't exactly go all out with connie at plaza flowers (laughs) um but I would say my very favorite um, party that I've ever thrown was for my husband's birthday last year. We rented an old schooner boat um, on the Hudson. How nice. It was so wonderful and did a sunset cruise with like 40 friends and had amazing catering and really simple decor and flowers. And we just like the only real decoration was sort of like herbs and flowers on these and New York City and the water. New York City and the sunset. We had sort of just like party hats and um simple food and a beautiful cake and great music and everyone had the best time. And that sort of was, you know, void of all of my tricks. Um but it was great. I mean I think it's really about the company and the environment. So that was the best party I've I ever. I love was that.
0: In. Okay, now here's a practical question What's one thing that anyone could do almost immediately or in under five minutes to spruce up their living space
1: that they're in right now? Um, I think that the quickest way to spruce up your living space, if you want to change, would be to dim the lights, light some candles. I feel like good lighting is everything, yeah. and it immediately makes people feel more comfortable. So whether it's dimming the lights or switching LED bulbs for sort of rose-colored pink bulbs. (laughs) We were just talking about that. But it makes a big difference because if people feel pretty, as you know, they have a great time. Yeah. And so I think it's all about, you know, making You get a little more relaxed and a little bit more confident. Yes, absolutely. So I think that's a really quick trick. Um, Also new pillows. I feel like that's an inexpensive way to sort of give your space a little facelift on a small budget. Yeah, I love that. What
0: are a couple of design trends that you really like right now, whether it's a piece of furniture or an idea or, you know, theory?
1: Um, well, I'm really excited to see that traditional interiors are coming back in style um, and there's sort of like a maxil- maximalist movement mm-hmm. going on. Um, in general, I sort of try to avoid trends because I think that interior design is really too expensive um, to make, to be sort of trendy about your choices. I hope that people pick things that will travel with them sort of from house to house, and that they'll get to enjoy their whole lives. But I am excited that sort of traditional furniture, brown, wood, is making a comeback. Yeah. Um, the classics. Yes, the classics, because I think that it really serves people well. Um, and I certainly like them so selfishly, it's thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I have a big collection, so... Well, um... As a thank you for
0: participating in this podcast, we wanted to gift you a scientific beauty product of your choice. So I wanted to ask you if there's something that you have been thinking about or you have your eye on. Well, I use your
1: entire collection. Uh, (laughs) It (laughs) would be very hard to choose. Um, But... Well, looking at your lashes, I feel like they oh, look so fabulous. It's really
0: good. You're gonna really like the eyelash serum. And
1: with summer coming, I feel like good lashes are sort of essential. You know, like being at the beach, the whole no makeup look, and yeah. having fabulous lashes. Is good one. skin, Step one. long lashes. Yes. Yeah, totally. So we can definitely make that
0: happen for oh, you. Thank Keep you. Keep me posted on your progress. And um, you know, this is Beauty Bosses, so I like to close by asking my guests how
1: you define beauty. Um, I think beauty comes from within, so being kind and happy is the most beautiful thing that any any person can be, um, so get kind and happy. And you are so kind
0: and happy, so I feel <laughs> like you're totally you know. practicing what you preach.
1: <laughs> it's you
0: know. so refreshing. It's so refreshing. No, oh, you're, you're really sweet. very sweet and well, very beautiful. open. Um, And I want to also ask you,
1: what does it mean to you to be a boss? Um, Taking care of the people around you, making sure that everyone has what they need to do a good job um, and relying on the people around you. So knowing sort of your limitations and making sure that everyone else is happy and sort of you know, ready to roll at all times yeah well it's
0: kind of like the Christmas tree story right <laughs> yes. where you take care of everybody else and put yourself last
1: it's, it's a lot of responsibility it's being a boss, being a mom
0: that's Yeah, the, right. The, well the the that's the house place. boss yes <laughs> okay. so both sides
1: of my
0: life. Um, well thank you so much for being here it was oh, so fun to chat you. with you yes
1: I really enjoyed and it and
0: we can't wait to hear all of the amazing things oh. in store for CC Barfield thank
1: you